and he gave it the title On and On. And uh, I wonder what he meant by that. Was it the, um, the persistence and the faithfulness of Paul as he kept on and on encouraging the disciples in various places? Or was it the fact that uh, Paul just went on and on into the evening and into the early hours? Well, we can look at it either way, can't we? Uh, but this um, story does uh, put it, uh, have, as it were, uh, two halves to it. To recap from last week, you remember that Paul was at Ephesus. I think we've got a, have we got a map or, or a picture now to start, I hope. Yeah, Paul was at uh, Ephesus uh, preaching uh, and teaching, and he was there for over two years, but it culminated in a, a near riot. I think we've got another picture now. That's Ephesus. And this is um, a theatre. In the previous chapter, you remember, they told you there was a riot took place and the people gathered in a theatre. This is a theatre as opposed to an amphitheatre. An amphitheatre is much bigger, has more people, but you get the idea. The theatre has a kind of a stage. And this is where the people would have met, the town council and so on would have met, people would have met uh, for meetings, and as we read in Ephesus, for the odd riot. Um, and, uh, but... Uh, uh, Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, felt that this was the time to leave Ephesus and uh, we take up the story uh, today where he moves on. If you go back into chapter 19, it says he was compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, fully aware that what the future held for him was one of prison and hardship. And so we have this uh, story with two, uh, two halves, as it were. And uh, he moves into the area of uh, Macedonia to encourage the people. Now, I wonder what, when I say to you, I, I've come here today to encourage I wonder what you'd think that would be. Is it just that? I don't think it is. I don't think Paul, you know, went round the churches uh, that he'd visited before and stood in front of them and said, you've all done very well. I don't think it was just about that, do you? If we look in the dictionary and look at this word um, in, in courage, it talks about embolden, incite, advise, promote, assist. A very uh, wide range Clearly, if we look at the word itself, the word courage is in there, isn't it? It's the idea of giving people the courage, as it were, you know, to do more. It isn't just saying, well, that's great, you've done that, full stop, pat on the back, end of story. It's about going on. It's about uh, progress. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm being very careful here, but I have got this funny book at home that I look up sometimes. And uh, the the Greek words uh, suggest things like exhort, urge, beseech, beseech, entreat, as well as the comfort and the console. 
I think we've got another picture now. Uh, the third picture. I rather like this one. You know what that is? The Bayer Tapestry. William encourages his troops. I don't think he did it by gathering them round and saying, well, good morning, chaps. Bit of a big battle today. Um, you know, glad to see you well turned out. Armour nice and shiny. Swords pointy and so on. Of course not. I expect there was, there was a, a bit of the old Henry IV about it. You know, Shakespeare had the idea, didn't he? You know, summon up the blood and all that. I'm sure there was a lot of that going on. And so it was with Paul. You see, the, the churches that he was visiting, they, they'd got the John 3, 16. They'd got that. But they needed now to become the people that God wanted them to be. To become the church and the witness where they were that God wanted them to be. And so Paul's encouraging was what we would call ministry today, uh, I guess. Although that's rather uh, a sort of old-fashioned uh, word. But it was all about teaching. It was all about saying, well, that's good, but we need to put this right. It's about God wants you to live like this. Really, I guess if we wanted a picture of what Paul might have and probably said, we only have to go to his letters, don't we? Because I'm sure in those letters, he was reiterating all those things that, uh, that he had taught as he um, went round those churches. And so this morning, just briefly, I want us to look at the, the, the word encouragement with the help of a couple of verses. And if you have got a really good memory and were really paying attention at the time, we did this some years ago. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And then in Thessalonians he says, we urge you brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. I could sit down there, couldn't I, if we'd really taken that in. A few thoughts about uh, encouragement then, another verse for you, but we always or but we always ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved. The John 3.16 bit that we got. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth, he called you to, to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why did I pick that verse? Well, because I want to encourage you firstly this morning about who you are. If you know and love the Lord Jesus, if John 3.16 means something to you, who encourages you? God himself encourages you. You are the objects of his love. You are chosen by him. You have been saved. Saved from what? Well, from this world and all its wickedness and from the consequences of that. 
You have been sanctified. That means set apart. God has said, you're mine. And he's chosen you for himself. And you have been promised a glorious future. Be encouraged this morning. And then uh, the same verses in Thessalonians go on to say, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth, encouragement, or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and, our, and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us inter- eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. So with the blessings comes responsibilities. Stand firm. Stand firm. What does that mean? Well, perhaps it means being called a, I hope I got the phrase right, a goggle-eyed loony. Because you believe something that certain politicians don't. That's what we're called. Right? If you objected to the uh, gay marriage thing, one MP thinks you're a goggle-eyed loony. Or something like that. It means standing for the truth. It means not compromising the truth. Stand first. Hold fast to the teachings. It means following those teachings. And it means being engaged in a life that demonstrates this by good works. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. You see, we are called upon, as uh, James writes in his letter, to be Not just simply hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Sunday by Sunday, and sometimes during the week, and perhaps if you uh, go to other events like um, uh, Keswick or Spring Harvest or whatever it might be, we receive the word of God. We receive encouragement. And with that wonderful uh, privilege and those resources comes the responsibility to accept and follow those teachings. You know, perhaps the saddest thing is when we hear these uh, truths, we understand them, it means something to us, perhaps we're stirred by them, and then it simply makes no difference. And we leave the place wherever we've been or the time that we've uh, perhaps spent our own time and just as it were, get on with the rest of the day and it's made no difference. That, I think, is the saddest thing of all. Part one, then. Are you prepared to be encouraged? Prepared to encourage? And are you a doer and not simply a hearer of the word of that encouragement? Part two then, Eutychus. I think I've got another picture now. Poor Eutychus. Um, I read somewhere that his name means fortunate. <laughs> That's good, yeah? um, But I love this story, and if we had the time, there's actually masses of stuff in here. I'm not sure if it is, but I think it is, the first record of meeting on the first day of the week. You see, these people were doing what we're doing. 
They were coming together to be encouraged. They were coming together to remember the Lord in communion. I'm sure they had some prayers and they sang together. And from that time onwards, people have met on the first day of the week to remember God, to rejoice in their salvation, to encourage one another, to bring praise and worship, to remember the Saviour in the way that he said they should. Of course, I expect they felt special that day because Paul was preaching. Not so special today. Um, Although we do have one thing in common. I understand we are both short, but there we are. But uh, isn't that tremendous? Sometimes you know me, or lots of you know me, and you know I harp on about church. I've told you before, I believe in church. And I harp on about being here, about being together, about being part of it. And I love this story because this is it, it's there. We say, well, why do you love it? Somebody fell out of a window and, and died. Yeah, well, of course. But that was used, wasn't it? What a demonstration of God's power. What a demonstration of Paul's own faith when he picked this lad up and said, he's alive. I think in other versions it says his life is yet within him or or something. But isn't that uh, tremendous? I I did, um, I got a commentary at home. I hope I can find a piece of paper now. Yeah, I have a a commentary at, uh, at home it's a Matthew Henry. Now, he's a, a 17th century commentator. But if you look at it, something it says, little gems come out. But sometimes it's very 17th century. This is some of what he says about Eutychus. That he presumptuously sat in the window, unglazed perhaps. Oh, golly. It was Roman time. Of course it was unglazed. <laughs> and so exposed himself... Whereas, if he could have been content to sit on the floor, he had been safe. (laughs) Boys that love to climb or otherwise endanger themselves to the grief of their parents, consider not so much how it is also an offence to God. Poor man. But there you are, that's 17th century values. (coughs) I guess if it was a 17th century church, we would have the children sat here, wouldn't we? Um, And it would be expected of them to be totally still and quiet. I just thought, I've just read that to you. I don't suppose you should use a Bible commentary for amusement, but it amused me. (laughs) Um, So, this is what we see in this story. The eagerness of the people to hear God's word, to be together and to be in worship. We see uh, this tremendous demonstration of the power of God in uh, this uh, miracle of uh, raising someone uh, to life. Our time has gone away with us now, but let me encourage you as we conclude to be prepared to encourage and be encouraged. To long to meet with your fellow 
Christians to worship together, to remember what your Saviour has done for you and to seek to be obedient uh, to God's word. And a final thought, are we expecting something special to happen in our church? Um, We're going to close now and I'm going to hand over to uh, Andy, the Welsh coming out there. Hand over to Andy. Um, But before we do that, a moment of uh, quiet and a little uh, uh, benediction from the scriptures. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word.